Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have Stephen Cooley. Stephen oh. is the CEO and founder of Art vs. Math. And I'm going to let him introduce himself and what that actually all means. But uh, welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you for being here. Awesome, Luke. No, I appreciate it, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm Stephen Cooley. Uh, I am the founder of Art First Math and a site called Mortgage Advisor Tools. So Art First Math, we simply consult um, mortgage lenders and mortgage technology companies to help them grow and market and scale their business. We're all about you know tackling just massive challenges that they may be having and uh, help them overcome them and kind of have a new realization of who they want to be when they grow up. And then uh, Mortgage Advisor Tools is, if you know what Captera or G2 is, this analogy makes sense, but it is a web listing for mortgage technology and services. We have gone out and we have identified, you know, every tech company or service provider that we can, categorized it, put it on one website so mortgage lenders can find it easily. If you've ever had to Google or look up a replacement for any God CRM or any mortgage technology solution, it is very arduous to say the least. And so we wanted to simplify that help bridge the gap between, you know, your medium-sized lenders, especially who are consistently underserved and under-solicited when it comes to these technologies and, you know, help them find, you know, new resources to help them grow their business. So yeah, those are the day jobs and, uh, and all the awesome, jobs. man. So let's kind of take it back a little bit farther from there. Like what kind of got you into this crazy uh, mortgage industry and, and like what's kind of got you sticking around? I was in the print industry for a decade, and uh, and then I did some tech startups. I did like a coupon sharing app, so I got the Mark Zuckerberg bug, you know, back in 2012 or so, and then uh, failed marvelously. You know, uh, this is a pretty awesome story actually. My ex-wife at the time said, "Go get a job making six figures, working 40 hours a week." And I was like, "Okay, well, that's reasonable. That's how that works, right? That's how you make money. It's working eight hours a day." But so I wanted to get in the money business, and I took a job as a reverse mortgage loan officer at this little mortgage lender called Finance of America Reverse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had no idea what that was at the time. And, you know, I came home to my ex-wife and said, hey, I got a job making, you know, $3,000 a month. I think I'm going to make it go at this mortgage thing. And, and so <laughs> she promptly left about three months later. And there I was. And so while I was getting licensed, I noticed that their marketing was just really bad, especially like social media. Their website sure. wasn't really Right. And so I wrote a like a Jerry Maguire memo, like, hey, you know, like if you did X, Y, and Z, I think you could aggregate leads online for seniors and, you know, develop some more social media content. Da, 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 da. So I had this like four page memo and I was just really kind of messing around, you know, and but my team lead at the time gave it to the VP of the call center and um, he calls me into the office. I think I'm going to get you know thrown out the door for running my mouth. And he was like, hey, could, do you think you could actually do this stuff? I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, dude, like the numbers are there, like it's totally viable. And so sure. he's like, all right, we'll write up a business plan and a budget and we'll see what happens. And I got super promoted to AVP of digital marketing at Finance of America Reverse, which was at the time 
the second largest retailer of reverse mortgages and the number one wholesaler in the country and just had real high success, man, and got to do some of the same work at the holding company. And then as it happens in this industry, was laid off working there for about five years. And man, yeah, I just fell in love with it, man. Like it's people, it's money, it's, you know, personas, it's drama, it's up, it's down, it's always moving. You're always creating impact. And uh, I encourage to start my own consultancy, which sounded like a terrible idea. You know, honestly, like I had no interest starting my own business at the time, but yeah, I did. And I've been really, really fortunate and blessed, you know, to uh, get to continue to work on amazing projects with amazing clients, you know, every single year. And so we've been really fortunate. That's amazing. I feel like I have a similar backstory in terms of getting laid off in the mortgage industry. I got laid off twice in about 14 months right. um, in the mortgage industry, in the reverse mortgage. I was an AE. And it's funny because I... Uh, kind of promised myself I was never going to go back. And so I had to figure it out and I didn't figure it out for a while, but Hey, you know what? That's what, uh, you know, running a business is all about. You know, you fail quite a few times until you kind of figure it out. And so that was, uh, interesting that the journey there that we kind of shared there that, you know, you worked at a company that was kind of parallel to what I was doing a few years back. And so it's been about five years for me as well kind of in this space and kind of learning how to create my own little thing. So pretty interesting. Sure, sure. So fast forward now to what you guys are doing. Um, you got art versus math going on. What does that kind of look like from a day-to-day perspective or how do you serve the people that you work with or how do you sell loan officers and the companies that you work with? Yeah. I mean, it varies because we work with both lenders and technology, you know, clients and they sure. both are, you know, going after different things, obviously, you know, we're doing quite a bit of B2B marketing, and then we do, of course, quite a bit of B2C marketing. So it's not so much the, you know, the, for lack of a better term, the grunt work of marketing, which could be perceived as designing flyers and creating Canvas social media posts so that loan officers have stuff to put up. But I mean, it's really getting to the heart of the matter and helping folks understand exactly why they're in that business, how to differentiate themselves in the market. You know, we all know that the mortgage lenders are quite the commodity. If we stripped every, you know, the top 10 mortgage companies of their logo and made those sites black and white, you couldn't tell me the difference between any of those sites. You know, like we're, we're all selling the same stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. really have to fundamentally understand exactly why you're in the business, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish, what kind of work culture you're trying to develop and what kind of methodologies and strategies that you're positioned to deploy to reach your goals. And so, you know, we do quite a bit of market auditing. We do marketing infrastructure. We do a lot of staff work. You know, we do a lot of those like kind of core things to help folks, you know, kind of understand how to scale their business properly. We actually don't have very long engagements usually. You know, our goal is to come in, inject a ton of value, and then, you know, make them self-sufficient and get out. So on the lender side, that's what we're looking to do. Tech is totally different. Like a lot of companies come to us and they're trying to understand how to get into the mortgage space, you know, how to sell into it. How do they differentiate themselves from the competitors that are out there? What kind of value proposition do they need to put front and center that is relevant for today that will resonate with lenders that will give them those opportunities? How to increase retention? You know, a lot of strategy work is a big part of what we do. And, And then by proxy, yeah, of course, we end up doing like a lot of digital marketing and creative and you know, those things that are, I think, a bit commoditized and when you hear marketing, but yeah, we're doing like deep level enterprise, you know, marketing work to help folks scale. Love it. Love it. That's exciting stuff. And when it comes to these different companies, is there like a single path that you kind of take them through? Is there just kind of based off their situation that you kind of provide what they need or or what do you find is kind of like the most prevalent, I guess, problem with everything or or challenge, I guess you'd call it a set of problem. I guess if you were going to be 
linear about it, everybody is just very close to what they do, you know, including mm. myself. Like, I mean, yeah. we're fortunate. We have a lot of good folks working for us, but you know, especially if you've been in business for maybe 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, like you have a way about what you do. There's things that have worked. Sometimes that's the problem. It's like, man, this thing keeps working. So why change it? And it's like, well, cause it could be better. Right. I mean, like mm-hmm. actually really much, much better. And so everybody's very close to their problems. Everybody's very close to the challenges that they face. And so it's just advantageous to have somebody, you know, come from the outside and go, yeah, you know, but like, that's cool. That's cool. That sucks. That could be 10 times better. That's not really working at all, despite what you believe to be true. And, you sure. know, just find a light on, you know, some of the things that they would never be privy to outside of outside consult. And so uh, that's probably the main driver that is always compelling and why we will grab an engagement is our unique acumen to identify and ask questions that they would never think of without it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, in that regard, I mean, it is interesting how it works. You are close and you have some blinders on and sometimes it comes down to like, you don't get the right feedback from the right people. And even for myself with the team, we have to ask the front of the line people, the people that deal with our customers, the people that are out there doing things like, all right, what can we do to improve? What do you think? And it's one of the things that we actually were just recently doing with some of our people. And it's like, oh, here's what we need to be doing. We need to be doing these things better. They're there on the front lines doing the thing, right? I mean, I think a lot of times companies will roll out, you know, tech for like everybody. And it's like, this is not tech that any loan officer is ever going to use, right? Like, and then they've invested like, you know, whatever millions of dollars into this tech and then the adoption and all that kind of stuff. So like, do you help them with those sorts of things? I'm like, Hey, like, I know you think this is valuable, but like, it's not really valuable to anybody. Like people want to be able to use their own tech. What does that look like in that regard? Yeah. On both sides. I mean, you know, with technology companies in particular, you know, they are held to a standard of usage often, right? It's like one of three things, right? It's, it's, does this technology make us money? Do people use it? And do people like it? You know, and those are really your three retention metrics that technology companies have to, um, you know, stay in front of. And, you know, oftentimes the Finance of America, like they couldn't provide us a report to help us understand if people logged in ever. But like there was some prevalent, important people that loved it and therefore we retained it. So like, this is an important collection of, you know, things to understand if you're a mortgage technology company on the lender side, of course, it is a noisy space. And uh, oftentimes technology is referred to them or it's the new hottest school thing. And, you know, there is a general understanding of it, you know, just depending on the lender, the size of the lender and the professionals that they have that are, you know, stakeholding that technology. We always are, you know, going to provide, you know, referral suggestions for technology that we think will be valuable and provide kind of an in-depth analysis of why we believe that an impact analysis and, uh, you know, make sure that they are getting the best bang for their buck and the tech that they're working to onboard or the tech that they have is valuable and it's doing what they ask. There's not always a question, you know, like, how do I even understand if this technology is valuable in my business? Sure. You know, like, and so if it really is those three things, which sometimes it is, but it shouldn't necessarily be right. Like, like, well, do my people like it? It's not necessarily a good analysis of whether or not that technology is effective in your organization. Right. Well, it's, it's when everybody likes stuff. I mean, like, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's effective. It doesn't mean it's creating impact. So that's the uh, part of the engagement. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're all, we're always trying to evaluate and help understand, you know, what's effective and what's impactful. 
when it comes to uh, your help with marketing some of these companies, I mean, one of the things we talk about in marketing is like creating an offer, right? Like how do you create an offer that actually stands out, makes you look different, sound different? Like even if it's a lot of the same things, right? I mean, I go back to that analogy, not analogy, but the, uh, I think it was Schwartz, he talked about the beer where they triple distilled the beer, right? And he, this is like an old marketing campaign from years ago. And right. what he found was like, nobody was talking about this process, but everybody was doing it. Everybody was doing the same process, but no one talked about it. So he was the first person that talked about it in their advertising. And so he kind of became the person that drove that and everybody seemed like they were copying, right? Even though everybody yeah. was doing it. So sometimes I do this all the time because we work more so with individual loan officers. Like we find that loan officers, they're like, oh, people want to work with me because I'm like, I'm me because I'm great. And like, but that only works to a certain extent, right? Like what makes you better and different than everybody else? Because we talked about it, it's a commodity. At a scale like you're talking about, do you help them sort of craft offers and like stand out differently from everybody else? Because like we said, I mean, it's a commodity. How do you yeah. stand out from everybody else in a commodity world? Like you got to sound and look and kind of act differently a little bit. The cliche answer is to be genuinely you, right? I mean, sure, so there is course. something to that. There is something of to- course, Of course, of course. Being yourself, if you're a master fisherman, then yeah, you should be pumping out all kinds of, you know, fisherman content and figuring out how to inject mortgage, you know, knowledge into that. And then you're going to be branded there for the mortgage fisherman. God bless, you know, like, and that's sure. definitely a tactic that is effective and uh, it separates you from other folks. There's probably not a lot of folks that are going to use something like that. You know, if you're a ballet dancer, whatever that thing might be, if you have some sort of quirky or unique, you know, thing that you're all about. Yeah. You should definitely lean into it and figure out how to separate yourself from everyone. That's a fair marketing strategy. Another one would be to stop selling products and start selling circumstantial solutions. So mm -hmm. if you are a, a low income person that is trying to find a home in a certain price range at a certain geographical location, I need to start understanding what the circumstances are that revolve around, you know, that person, that persona, if you will, and start talking about how you have effectively navigated circumstances similar to the folks that are experiencing them. Sure. So if I can show that I grossly understand and am empathetic towards those type of circumstances for like FHA borrowers, first, let's say, then sure. all of a sudden I become the expert and the authority on that and more will gravitate towards me via referral and through social media and whatnot. So I become the expert of circumstance. You know, there's a loan officer um, that I worked with some time ago, but he had his MBA. He was uh, highly financially literate. And so he specialized in jumbo loans, right? And affluent people. And so like on his signature, he identified that he has MBA. So like he's profiling himself saying, hey, I'm highly educated. I work with, you know, high net worth individuals. I'm highly financially literate. I also have my series, whatever, you know, and so like if you're dealing with these circumstances and you did it, like I have a mortgage solution that I think will meet your needs. So contact me for more information. So, you know, he qualified himself circumstantially, not so much that I'm the best loan officer and I'm really cool. And then, you right. know, I whatever. so there's the other way. And then lastly is to become a product expert. You know, whether it's construction, reverse mortgages, refis, uh, HELA, I mean, like become an extreme expert in a certain area of mortgage lending. And that is also, you know, like your specialty mortgage product folks are not having as big of a challenge in this market as, you know, your traditional mortgage folks. And that's because they specialize in it. The volume, while it shifts and wanes a little bit, it's not significant enough to where it impacts their business detrimentally. 
might impact it, but not detrimentally, where they're, they could be fearful of losing their job. So if I'm a high level expert at reverse mortgages, you're probably doing just fine this year. They originate about the same volume every year, 45, 50 units, 50,000 units rather. And uh, you know, you're still able to capture market share because you have positioned yourself as the expert of these things. And so your referrals don't necessarily shift. And so construction of permits is another interesting one where if you're an expert in that, you're probably going to continue to see business in that regard. And so finding expertise in products and being the authority in that will position you to continue to have and thrive in this mortgage business. You know, like I just mentioned, it's never been more important to be really, really good at what you do. Yeah, I mean, and that's true. We know that there's going to be a thinning of the herd or there already has been. I think I heard a stat that about 35% of loan officers didn't renew their license for this year, right? So it's already a massive amount, if that's even an accurate number, but I know it's a significant amount, regardless of if that's fully accurate or not. And it's true, the barrier to entry, just like in real estate, the barrier to entry to get a license is very, very low. And people say, well, I got to do this. It's like, you literally have to go to more school to cut people's hair than you do to finance people's you know, $500,000 sure. houses right? Like you literally have to spend way more time going to school and figuring out hygiene and all these things, you know, to cut people's hair and make, you know, whatever, 50 bucks an hour if they're lucky versus like loan officers, you know, they take a little, whatever, 20 hour test or whatever and take sure. the test. And like, that's crazy. That's like absolutely crazy. And so it does make a difference. Like, and the people that are still winning in this market are not just good at loans. They're also good at marketing. They're also good at sales. And I see yeah. a local real estate agent down here one of the top producers in the nation, he talks all the time about that. Like most of the content he posts, he, he runs a coaching program now as well, but a lot of the content he posts now is around marketing and sales, right? Like how to create offers, how to stand out, how to make yourself look sure. different, how to have stronger language because everybody says the same things. Everybody says, I answer the phone, I work on the weekends, I have good rates, our turn times are good. Like, But all those things, like we said, like those are commodities. I close loans on time. Those are all like, in my opinion, requirements of just being a good loan officer. If you're not doing those things, then like get out of the industry, like leave the, leave room for the experts out here. Right. Because it it just doesn't make sense. So that shouldn't be the value proposition that you stand on. And so many times, like that's what people think is their value. And it's like, no. And I think honestly, it's because they haven't really sat down and thought like, what does make you better? Why do people send you referrals? Right. There's a reason why someone sends you referrals. Maybe your backend process is super detailed. Maybe you communicate really well, but talk about how you communicate. Right. And I think so many times people haven't figured out a way to communicate their actual value proposition. We talk about unique value proposition, unique selling proposition. Like, what is it that makes you different? Are you helping lenders do that? Like, I mean, I know you kind of do all kinds of different things, but that helps as well when, when it comes to marketing. Because if you don't have kind of like the identity of what you stand for, it's kind of hard to market yourself as a business. Yeah, well, I mean, we do a um, core value workshop for folks and like it's a gut-wrenching, sometimes month-long thing that we'll do. And, it, and it's an amazing experience for all involved, you know, and, and you're really breaking down the nuances of why you even started the business to begin with, mm-hmm. what it is today, what you're hoping it'll be tomorrow and why. And once you start to do that and really fundamentally understand, you know, the core values of the business some amazing things get to happen. And so you establish that. And then the next thing is like, okay, how am I going to take action to support the core values that I've identified? How am I going to treat my staff? How am I going to treat my partners? And how am I going to treat the borrowers that have, you know, chosen us to help them with the biggest purchase of their life? And Mm -hmm. so how can I really effectively 
you know, leverage these core values through action to really, you know, separate myself from everybody. Because the truth of it is, is there's a high probability that a lot of your referrals are going to come from borrowers, not so much maybe referral partners, but borrowers. And so if I can, they should. that would be ideal. And if that kind of work right there has been highly effective to help them understand really what their differentiator is. And so there are definitely a couple lenders in the country that have done an exceptional job of this, that you undoubtedly know, you know, why they get up in the morning and put on their logo and go to work. And you can spot them from a mile away. It's really something. And they're going to be in business next year and they're going to be in business in 10 years if they choose to. And the folks that have not done this type of work to differentiate themselves, then they'll be acquired or, or shut their doors at some point, you know, in the next one or two years. Because there's just simply not enough, you know, reason for borrowers or even loan officers at this point to continue to invest in that brand or whatnot. So it's not even branding. It's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about right. actually work and really going, yeah, I'm about this, you know, trying to give an example. I mean, like, you know, we're really about helping people. I mean, at the end sure. of the day, like my team, unfortunately, has to hear me dribble about this all the time. You know, so our action items around that is... We don't work with loan officers necessarily. We'll take the calls though. Like if loan officer sure. wants some of my time, like we will find it. I'd love to talk to him and talk about what he's doing and how he can improve. You know, we take a lot of free calls and try to provide input and insight into that. You know, we're a charitable organization to some extent. You know, we try to support different entities. And, you know, at the end of the day, and we've also developed kind of an engagement process that is highly transparent in every action that we do so that, you know, consultants can get kind of a bad rap that we're going to hit you with just massive retainer and then like sure. host. And so we try to identify every action item that we take and justify and uh, quantify, you know, how we're helping folks. So, you know, and, and that all revolves around, you know, that idea that, you know, like we're here to help people, you know, like, and we really want to do that. And of course we want to be highly lucrative, make a ton of dough, but at the end of the day, like, you know, we've had a high success because, you know, we believe that we're uh, extremely effective and impactful and it all revolves around that idea that, you know, we're here to help. Yeah, I love it. And I think the truth is that most of us haven't done that work. We haven't done the core value implementation. And I spent earlier this year and this from someone who's I've done this work before, but I kind of like hadn't done it in a few years. Yeah. Right. And I had realized that like a lot of the goals that I had set and like a lot of the things that I had wanted to do, I had surpassed and I like had forgotten to like, all right, now I need to update this list. Now I need to update my goals. Now I need to update my vision and what I see and all these things. And so like I spent, I don't know, a lot of December and a lot of hours, even early January, just kind of mapping out like what I want everything to look like every part of my life, not just business because truthfully a lot of my sort of values that I had talked about and worked on early on was about business right but I hadn't said like well what do I want my personal life to look like what do I want like my future to look like like why am I even doing this yeah right like what is this about and so that really changes the filter through which you view decisions that you make I mean just for myself I know this like when I first got into doing this it was a lot of ego and I still have an ego, but like a lot of it was ego. Like I want to hit these like arbitrary numbers because that's what everybody says you should do. You know, that's the number that you need to be hitting uh, in order to have made it. But I hit those numbers and I was miserable. I hated my life. I hated my business. I hated everything about it. And I basically sabotaged everything and had to rebuild everything and still in the rebuild process over the last really like year, year and a half. And it's been a huge blessing. Obviously it sucks to go through it, but it's been a huge blessing doing that because like, 
I love what I'm doing, but it's because I found the actual reasons as to what I was doing this for. And it wasn't about this arbitrary number, right? And so again, your personal life, especially if you're a single loan officer, most of the people that are listening to this are probably going to be single loan officers, or maybe they have a group or a team, but you're doing this for reasons that don't align with your values. I actually had one of my mentors and one of actually one of our partners say, most people have goals and they have values, right? And if the goals and the values don't align, most of the time, the goals are not going to get hit. They're going to stay with their values, right? And so if like those two things don't align, like the goals that you set of like, hey, I want to make a million dollars. But if your values are like, I want to, you know, love on my family and spend time with them and like go on vacations and do those types of things. It's like those two things don't really align, right? Like, you know, could you theoretically do it? Yeah, of course. But it's going to take a little bit of a different approach and you got to be creative and things. So I felt like that was a huge... That's awesome. for me and just like massive level of like, all right, now I know I'm doing this. And like, now I want to go grind even harder, but like for a reason versus like a, Hey, I hit this number. And now, and I think most companies start that way too. Most organizations. And if you start with that, that core. So I love that. That's kind of the work that you're doing. I mean, yeah, it's no. weird because this is male dominated space too, that is not typically going to lean into some of that sort of like uh heart center type stuff. Don't want to be woo woo, but like, really it's a little bit more of that sort of like deeper level, emotional intelligence stuff. Yeah. On a personal level. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'm a married guy. I got four kids, you know, and if I have any sense, I'm spending some time with my wife and I'm going, Hey, this is what I think I can do. This is uh, what I believe is possible. Here's the sacrifice that everyone's going to have to experience for me to get to where I want to go. And I believe I'm willing to sacrifice that. Are you on board? You know, we have a group conscience, if you will. And then, you know, I proceed to do that and I see if I can achieve what I believe, you know, I told her. That is definitely, you know, the case in my personal life. And it's really not that much different in these companies. I mean, right. like there's, there's usually a group that is engaged. It's not usually just one. You know, there might be a stakeholder or a president or a CEO or a founder, but they're gathered there with other C-suite folks, maybe a board. Mm-hmm. And they have to collectively go, okay, like we want to grow, but like to get there, we have to invest X or we have to do this. And like, what are we really about? Do we really think that we have this, you know, like our product lines or proprietary things, or, you know, is it worth doing this? Or, you know, I've worked with the lender, they're profit shop, man. They don't give a shit about anybody except making money. God bless. That's perfect. Right. And, right. and don't put any core values on the walls. Yeah. yeah. Make sure the cubicles are gray bare necessities, give them a number sure. and let's go to work. There's and, nothing and, wrong with it. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, like if that's in, if their, that's, in their mind, if that's what they want to do is what I meant. Like, yeah, they're like, like, they're like, no, we're here to make money. God bless. Yeah. Let's do it. Like, like I know how to do that. Like yeah. I know how to get that throat and make some dope. Like, let's do it, man. Like, you know, let's generate leads, pop them out. When our aren't performing, throw them on a pip, get rid of them. Yeah. God bless. Like, let's do it. You know, while some of it might be considered frothy or, you know, emotional, it is about like what you're here for. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to drive a Ferrari and make a ton of dough. There's nothing wrong with having the illusion of a work-life balance. You know, it's just, but like, there is something wrong with not being self-aware of what it is. Uh, That's where it gets really hard to, you know, plan. It gets really hard to identify a market position. It gets really hard to hire. It gets really hard to identify technology solutions. Business gets pretty difficult at that point. It's not always enterprise that you definitely can, you know, take some of this practice at a pitch level. You can definitely do it at a loan officer level. It's like, you know, why do I want to get to $10 million in originations? Like what happens in my life when I get there? What happens at $15 million of originations? 
What kind of referral partners do I need to align with? You know, am I transactional or am I a relational based mortgage loan officer? If I'm transactional, what kind of people do I need to identify with and to do so? Or do I need to learn to be relational? So like, yeah, I mean, it's a fun thing to figure out. And once you do though, man, like, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, I love it. Something that I think is overlooked by most people. And I think we just kind of get on that treadmill and like, don't get off. We just keep running and running and running. And at some point, it's like, all right, well, like, what are we running for? You know, are we running for a marathon? Or are we just running because Johnny down the street said I should be running right now? You know, I don't I don't know. Really, more than anything, it's clarity. And I think if it is a team, there's alignment. Or if even it's yourself, it's alignment with your goals, right? The, the goals and values are now aligned, then you can actually grow faster. 100%. Cool, man. I know we've gone down that values, right? I mean, I love it because uh, it's just very near and dear to my heart, knowing what it takes and like what it takes to grow a culture and a team. And like, you know, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done is growing a team. And like, I totally get it. Like, how do you continue to live out the culture and continue to grow the culture as the team grows, as you get to 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 people on the team? Like, what does that look like? And how do you continue to do that? And, you know, for people that are listening, maybe you're by yourself, maybe it's you know, what's the culture that you want to have? What's the first hire? What's the next hire? Like, why are you going to hire those people? What does that mean for you, your family? That really starts to get your mind thinking versus like, you know, just going to work every day and grinding for 10 hours, 12 hours and like going home, right? Yeah. Like that, does, that starts to turn into burnout pretty fast. It can, absolutely. We get aspirational around this thing and, you know, that it needs to be about that. There is absolutely unequivocally nothing wrong with, somebody using the mortgage industry as a job to hit median numbers, to make median income, to enjoy their life. You know, there's a lot of coaching out there about high performance. We look at the rock stars of our industry and we point to them as the ideal goal. But like, you know, there's a reason why there's few. There's a reason why there's few. And the goal really has to be, you know, to be true to yourself and to figure out, yep. you know, just that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being in the middle. There isn't. Um, no, there's a lot of value in, uh, you know, this just being an awesome occupation that provides you a lot of freedom. It takes a special acumen to be a mortgage loan officer. You know, we're fortunate that there's a median income that's higher than most occupations. And it, you know, it puts a lot of food on a lot of people's table. And uh, and then in conjunction with that, you get to help people buy, you know, a house, which is huge, right? So, sure. you know, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, you know, and uh I've met dozens of mortgage loan officers that they're perfectly content with having a job and that's okay. You know, and, and uh, I think sometimes we're a little too hard on that. They perform just exactly how they should. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to do necessarily these unbelievable numbers and we should work to encourage and help them get better at where they're at, you know, and with what they have. Yeah, no, I agree. And what's his name? Gary V talks about this. He says, if you're okay making $40,000 a year, like that's all good. Just stop complaining if that's what you want, right? So if you want to grow, then do the work. But if not, then it's okay. Like it's okay doing what you want to do. Um, and don't, 100%. don't don't try to live someone else's life, which again is something that I did. You know, I'm always going to be like a growth oriented person. I'm always going to want to continue to grow. But it was just like these random arbitrary things and numbers that had no meaning to me other than like, well, this is what was already said to do. So um, let's kind of move into like a little bit of the practical application. Like if you were to go out there today, like maybe you had to go back into the mortgage industry, like what would you go to do today? Or what's like one strategy that you'd implement to go get business today? There's about a quadrillion free online listing websites regionally or statewide 
that are underutilized. So, I mean, we go to the major ones like Zillow and whatnot, but there's a ton of free stuff that, you know, so every and any organization that would allow me to put my name, my NMLS number, my email address, my website on it, I would join it. So that would be where I would start. I would immediately try to figure out how to develop and maintain long-term, you know, online presence. You never know where somebody's going to find you. Sure. Um, I would have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a LinkedIn page, and I would strongly consider TikTok at this point. That thing works. And I would figure out exactly how I could consistently post. There's three things you do. You post something original, uh, you comment on somebody's post, and you share something third party. And so that very simple three-thing social media strategy, I would need to implement it myself. I'm not necessarily good at it. You know, I don't necessarily have the audacity in front of a camera all the time, but I would implement that in my practice every day. I would join local organizations. I would do, I think, everything that everyone else is doing. Online reputation has never been more important. I would activate that as soon as I could. Google my business, for example. And then I would probably identify, as I stated before, a specialty, like some sort of quirky specialty thing that I know for a fact that nobody else is doing. And I would identify areas, you know, there's so much technology that is a hundred bucks a month, 50 bucks a month that I would try to very, very specifically find markets that are simply void of a lot of mortgage presence. And I would try to specialize in certain regions of the state whether it be the real estate or the actual locale, so to speak. And I would try to elevate myself in those regions that have a low presence of mortgage loan originators. That would be smart. what I do within 30 days, I think. I mean, That's smart. I mean, that strategy, I actually know someone who implemented something like that over, I think about two and a half, three years ago. And their team should be doing, I think they'll break a thousand this year and then probably do about 1500 next year in units. Doing USDA, very underserved communities. They just basically found a target market that was underserved that didn't have very many, you know, people chasing after it. And they're going to close a lot of deals. Um, they just developed a super systemized way. They created a great unique value proposition. They stand out from everybody else, but I mean, they stand behind it. And, you know, I think that's what it comes down to is developing that identity and just like going all in. Cause I think people get so scared. Like, I don't want to be the VA guy. I don't want to be the USDA guy. I don't want it to be this guy because then I'll lose the other business. It's like, I think it's the opposite. Right. Uh, like totally you'll get all of that business and you're going to get everything else. Yeah. USDA is a perfect example. Like very few people realize how much property and real estate is eligible for USDA uh, mm -hmm. mortgage. I mean, a totally super underutilized product um, and mass opportunity there. Um, the Hispanic market is wide open, sure. wide yep. open, yep. super underrepresented demographic, the mass opportunity, especially over the next five years. If you were to figure out how to, effectively market and position yourself, ITIN loans. And uh, there's all kinds of great products that are available that you specialize in. You'll be a very rich person in three to five years. But yeah, absolutely. That's the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, I know that's great. I mean, you know, finding a niche, they always talk about it in the marketing industry. They talk about finding a niche. It's not quite as widely known in the mortgage industry, but it's super important because that's how you learn how to serve those people. And then you speak directly to those people as well. So you can create and craft better marketing messages that actually, you know, work versus talking to everybody and nobody hears you. So 
you have the authority on it too, like Google acknowledges you for it. I mean, if you do it online, like you're able to kind of transcribe that to all these online listings that I just mentioned and you have placed content, you know, like it really does translate into increasing being the search result to the inquiry of your specialization. Mm -hmm. Just as we kind of close up, what is the best way for people to, I mean, I know you do mostly enterprise type stuff, but if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about you, connect with you online, where's the best way to find you? I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, my name is Stephen Cooley. Um, please search me and find me and, and connect. And uh, my email is Stephen at artversemath.com. I mean, would love to talk to anybody that, you know, would like to hang out and need some assistance of any kind. I mean, like I said, we do take it pretty seriously. We're here to help and we want to, you know, see this industry thrive this year, despite all of the challenges that we're all facing. I mean, we know it's compressing. We know it's getting difficult. We know that it's hyper competitive. You're in a market share game. But the truth of it is, is there's extremely high demand for mortgages. There's an extremely high demand for inventory and uh, the loans are there. So, I mean, it is going to be about market differentiation and increasing your value proposition in that market. So if you want some assistance on and some pointers on how to do that at a specific level, we'd love to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much for the value that you came in here and brought. I think the big thing, the big takeaway for me from all of this, really, I mean, we talked about a lot of things, but the core value work uh, really, to me, kind of felt like it was an interesting thing that that's a lot of times what you start with with these big organizations. And I think that's directly applicable to individual loan officers, people that run a team, branch managers, brokers, because it is, I mean, that's really where you're going to operate at your highest level. And the more you know why you're doing things, some people, maybe they'll do that core value work and they're going to realize they should go get a W-2 job somewhere and stop stressing out about being in the mortgage industry because like, it's not an easy industry to be in, especially with the ups and downs. I mean, we saw it's fun to be in when 20 and 21, but it's not so fun to be in in 22 and 23, right? It's just a a different market that we're dealing with. So that was my big takeaway from that. Any parting words of wisdom for us, Stephen? You know, this story comes to mind. I had a spiritual mentor. I have a 19 year old son and he was probably like eight years old. And I was in the print industry and I was doing grabs, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but I hated it. I was meeting with my mentor and I'm like, man, I'm scared that if I quit, I'm not going to make that money, but I'm just, I'm, I'm miserable. He's like, well, what's your son? And my son was like eight or nine. Right. And he's like, what's your son going to think of you if you don't make six figures anymore? And I was just like, oh, I was like, he's not going to care. Right. Like, so you think your son would prefer you to be happy and content in your life, or would you prefer that you make, you know, all this dough? Yeah. Like that was probably my first introduction into, you know, really having some self-awareness of, you know, what I'm doing and the importance of, you know, being at one with it. And uh, you're spot on, man. It's super important to be self-aware and to take some time and really evaluate, you know, why we're waking up in the morning and what we're doing, because it's it's Mm -hmm. imperative to everything that we do. Well, and you said, I mean, perspective is a pretty interesting thing, right? You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine and he basically, they just found out his wife has cancer four weeks ago. And oh. it just gave me all this perspective of like, well, I would take all of my business problems way over having that problem, right? And so like yeah. those little things, those little like reminders of perspective is everything that you need, right? The kids bring a lot of perspective as well, because like you said, they don't care how much money, like they want to be with you and they want you to be like, they can tell when you feel like crap, they can tell when you're not happy and they can tell when you're not present, right? They don't care how much money you make. Obviously they like the vacations and the toys and stuff like that, but they really would prefer to be with you. So um, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. And then, you know, for anybody who's listening, thank you so much. And again, take your time, do that exercise, figure out what your core values are, what you basically are here for, 
Um, and if you are interested in learning how we can help you flip the status quo on the real estate agents in your space, then go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.